Every year, millions of Americans use opioids to manage pain. It's kind of like a tool. Doctors prescribe opioids. It's appropriate in many cases. Uh, they mask the pain. And then that's where the reliance on these pills kind of has led to the worst drug crisis in American history. Every day, more than 130 people in the U.S. die after overdosing on opioids. It's very serious, something we're going to cover today. We're going to touch on this epidemic and also how it affects older adults in America as well in many different facets. Uh, in studio with us, we have uh, Maddie Ponce de Leon. He's a pastor of Arlington First Baptist Church in Jonesville. First, thank you for coming in, sharing with us. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, sir. You were talking about opioids masking pain, and immediately I thought that that really is uh, one of the driving forces of addiction. Yeah. Um, oftentimes when someone begins to use, even if they had an injury or there's some uh, reason why someone has had an opioid prescribed to them, oftentimes there will be that initial masking of the pain, but there will also be some kind of emotional comfort that comes along as well. Uh, my story was one that was quite different. I was more looking for an emotional comfort immediately in my forays into alcoholism and addiction. Uh, and it certainly, for a period of time, did accomplish that. It was a masking of uh, dealing with life on life's terms and a masking of a lot of emotional pain uh, I was experiencing in my life. Uh, and as I would come out of that time of addiction and after I would come off of those times of using drugs, that pain would then be even more prevalent as I was trying to deal with reality. So I think in many ways that's the nature of addiction. It's a continued masking of pain. Uh, in the scriptures, it tells us to be not drunk with wine wherein is excess or debauchery or unsavedness. And the, very, the scriptures tell us the very reason why it is that people are uh, seeking drunkenness is they are looking for some kind of deliverance, some kind of relief, some kind of uh, a softening of life. And that was what I was seeking in my own personal addiction. Um, it's, it's a very uh, challenging thing and something that is very gripping once you fall into it. Mm, by the grace of God. Amen. Amen. <laughs> All of our stories, if we start talking long enough, uh, we'll, we'll find some commonalities, whether it be pain, uh, struggles, uh, addiction. Uh, you know. But then again, the Holy Spirit can come in and just make something out of a mess. Well, that's the reality of the gospel. We are uh, lost and oftentimes are completely unaware of our own lostness. And then uh, he gives us the opportunity to see the reality about our own sinfulness and also gives us the opportunity to see the reality of who Jesus Christ is and what he came to do uh, to die for our sins and, and took our place on the cross to pay for our sins that we might be delivered, rescued, and, and saved. Uh, those two things, salvation and recovery from addiction, really took place at the same time for me. I realize that's not every uh, recovering Christian addict's experience, but it was certainly mine. Uh, I was very grateful to have uh, come to a place called Your Father's House in the Zephyr, North Carolina area, and it was a halfway house. I, it was the 16th treatment center that I had been to in my life or institution of some kind. And throughout my formative years and then later on into my late teens and early 20s, I was routinely in treatment centers and rehabilitation centers and uh, mental institutions. I had multiple suicide attempts. Uh, and I grew up in the Philadelphia area where heroin was a very uh, readily available drug. It's one of the largest open-air heroin markets on the eastern seaboard. And I fell into all of that just seeking relief uh, from the reality of life. 
And for many years, as I was mired in that addiction, I had many people that were faithfully coming around to me and telling me, hey, you can find hope in Jesus Christ. You can find answers in putting your faith and trust in the Lord. Uh, But of course, when we're not ready, we're not ready. Mm -hmm. And for many years, I tried to do things my own way. Uh, But ultimately, I came to a place where I came to the end of myself. I was completely desperate. I was completely hopeless. Uh, I was completely barren, and I'll never forget the day on August the 25th of 2006 at 6.59 p.m. where I was in the back bedroom of that halfway house, an old farmhouse up in Zephyr, and I got down on my knees and I cried out to the Lord, and he heard my cry. And I'm so grateful that for how many times I rejected the gospel, how many times faithful servants of the Lord came and shared the truth of Jesus Christ to me, that they were faithful, because I was all by myself in that bedroom. I was all alone, but I wasn't alone. And I'm so very grateful for how many that were so faithful to share the gospel together with me so that when I got down on my knees and I was at the end of myself, I was broken. I knew who to cry out to. I knew what I needed. And he heard my cry and he delivered me. Mm -hmm. Uh, The next day, as I moved forward through my life, I was still struggling with that feeling of addiction. I was still struggling with the withdrawals from uh, the drugs uh, that I was on. Uh, But an amazing thing uh, took place. Because when we get saved, the Holy Spirit enters into our heart. And my desire, and I can't explain it other than to say I was blind and now I see, my desire to get high was smaller than my desire uh, to not. And, and I was so very grateful that God had made that change uh, in my heart. Mm. We have that void, that, that Christ void that needs to be filled with something. Yes. And humanly, we try to fill it up with yes. whatever we want to fill it up with. And it never will be quenched. And filled until the Holy Spirit comes in. So true. And that is the reality of Scripture. Mm. It's the reality of, of our need for God, that he has placed eternity or set the world in our hearts, as Ecclesiastes tells us. We're talking with Matty Pontilian. He's the senior pastor of Arlington First Baptist Church in Jonesville, actually reflecting on kind of his journey, actually through a book, Broken Returning Desperation to the Cross. Uh, actually, and you can get more information about Maddie, the book, and of course, an event coming up where he's going to be talking about the opioid epidemic and older adults on our website, wbfj.fm. When we're talking about uh, an epidemic, uh, literally, like you said, we're seeing it in the headlines, uh, you know, about every day we have a, a news article or some information that's coming down about how bad uh, literally the opioid epidemic is. But it also affects older adults in various ways. Touch on that for us. Well, we've certainly, uh, I think all of us have experienced at this time and seen the reality of a lot of grandparents that are raising grandchildren. Uh, And while I wouldn't exclusively attribute that to the opioid epidemic, it is probably a a big part of it. Um, Recently, and as part of our time with uh, North Carolina Baptist Aging Ministries, I'd been conducting some interviews with community leaders And in meeting uh, specifically with uh, school administrators, uh, I was very surprised to find out how rapidly the number of grandparents raising grandchildren has uh, increased. Uh, That's that's a big challenge because the grandparents really, in many ways, uh, lose their opportunity to be grandparents. That's a time of life where you want to be the one that's giving the extra cookie and you want to be (laughs) the one that's not the disciplinarian so often in the home. And and there's a real robbery that takes place. You can see the reality of spiritual warfare behind addiction just in that aspect of the grandparent-grandchild relationship and grandparents having to raise uh, grandchildren because the enemy is seeking to kill and to steal and to destroy. 
And the reality of spiritual warfare in the midst of the opioid epidemic is, is very clear uh, because the grandparents are losing uh, oftentimes that chance to be the grandparents that, uh, that they would like to be and that, frankly, God had designed them uh, to be. Uh, so that's one aspect of how they are uh, affected. I think oftentimes with older adults and something that we uh, might not necessarily think of off the cuff, uh, when you're dealing with older uh, children that are addicts or alcoholics, there are some end-of-life issues that really need to be uh, considered. Um, drug diversion is a, is a big issue and something that uh, many entities I know in prescribing, the doctors and, and many of our um, authorities uh, within our region are looking to um, do away with to, to, to solve the issue of drug diversion. Uh, but in end of life, when someone is terminal or something of that nature, there are often challenges with drug diversion when you have an adult addict that is living in the home. And then our parents that are in that season of life or in the twilight of their life aren't getting the medications that they need or the comfort care that they need because the drugs are being diverted to addicts and even potentially withholding parents that need to be uh, in a hospice facility or something of that nature so that the drugs would continue to flow into the home. Um, older adults need to protect themselves uh, beforehand for that, uh, establishing power of attorney and considering those sorts of things as they are preparing for end of life, if that is the case within their household and their family, uh, because they don't need to be too far into that process where they have lost the capacity to make their own decisions uh, before that would take place. It's, hey, a, it's a very real issue. I was going to say, yeah, it's, it's very real. It's happening in real time. Yes. Things were just kind of, you know, kind of getting to be top of mind, something we haven't really had to deal with necessarily until now, maybe, or in the past couple of years. And, and, I, I would submit that that is the reality of, mm. of how rapidly everything has increased. The gravity, of course, has increased as well. Uh, one of the things, you know, I've been dealing with addiction for 28 years. I'm 42 years old. I was 14 years old the first time I went to some kind of recovery meeting. Mm. And I, I was, uh, I imagine, a, a very typical story. I grew up in a middle-class uh, uh, suburban neighborhood outside of Philadelphia. Both my parents were scientists. Uh, it was I didn't grow up in a, in a bad home or an abusive home. We went to church, all of those sorts of things. Uh, but for some reason or another, this life wasn't satisfying to me, and I sought satisfaction in the things of this world. And, and that was one of the things of this world that I uh, latched onto or grabbed onto. But for all of those years that I've dealt with it as an addict and alcoholic, and then later on as a person in recovery, and then as a minister of the gospel, uh, the 28 years that I've dealt with this issue uh, I'm seeing things today that I just, I never would have imagined uh, that I would have seen. Those challenges with drug diversion and the, and the danger that some of our older adults are in and the kind of protections that they need to put themselves in. I don't share that to, to try to stoke fear or anything mm -hmm. of that nature, uh, but to really encourage preparedness for that season of life if you do have a son or daughter that is an addict or an alcoholic. One of the other challenges uh, oftentimes that uh, older adults are dealing with is that there are some uh, studies and some statistics that show that those that are born with neonatal abstinence syndrome, uh, which is a very real issue and has been on the increase and on the rise over the last couple of decades, uh, that is when a child is basically born addicted, um, uh, there are some challenges that come with that immediate process, uh, the health of that child in the immediate sense, and then also as the child is getting older and developmental challenges at times, there are some some research that has been done to show that there are perhaps some learning challenges as well. And again, you're having a grandparent that is, it's hard enough to raise kids the first time and then raising kids a second time and they're 
dealt those added blows and added challenges, um, it makes it very difficult. And it does, and it reaches and it touches a lot of different people in our community. And one way we're going to try to bring some awareness is a special event coming up on the 25th. Yes, really looking forward to, to the opportunity with North Carolina Baptist Aging Ministries to share on the subject of the opioid epidemic and older adults. Um, I'm going to be leaning on a few different things. I've conducted some personal research. I'm going to be uh, leaning on some research uh, that has already been done. I'll be sharing some personal experience, some testimony, some personal stories, and part of those interviews uh, that I mentioned uh, earlier uh, to really address four different things as we are coming together. It's going to be an hour and a half uh, long seminar. We'll probably take a break in between. Uh, many people tell me that they can't quite take 90 minutes of me in one <laughs> shot. So, uh, But we're going to be looking and talking about the nature of addiction, informing about the nature of addiction, give some of the statistics, talk about some of the challenges that are going on, because informing is always an important component of understanding what you're, what you're dealing with. But then we are going to move into processing some of that information. And I really do want to share with the people about looking at this information that we're having through a scriptural lens to really have that biblical worldview of what we're dealing with with addiction. We'll view it as an aspect of spiritual warfare. We'll see the enemy behind it. Of course, that's not going to offer a solution, but it's going to understand the reality of what we are dealing with as we move toward uh, some solutions. Uh, also going to spend some time talking about uh, addressing our own personal spiritual development, and I think this is very important. As we are dealing with the issue of addiction, like in anything else for Christians, it's an issue of discipleship. As the body of Jesus Christ, we need to be sharing uh, from, a, from the responsibility to uh, be disciples who are making uh, disciples. And oftentimes when we're dealing with addiction, emotions are very high. Uh, sometimes the thermostat is pretty high. We are very angry or hurt over things that we have experienced, seen, or we have gone through. Uh, so in order for us to effectively disciple, our hearts need to be in the right place. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some spiritual development personally uh, before we are then applying the information and the understanding that we have in the final part of our time together. And just the application is going to be about protecting our own selves, giving some practical information about that, particularly for older adults, and providing for others some handlebars that we can grab a hold of uh, to how we can be more helpful to those uh, that are mired in addiction, some things to do and some things not to do. So with that, with the event, um, the small fee to kind of, you know, uh, get materials, your book will be available as well and uh, a great uh, day of learning. I, I pray it'll be an edifying time. Absolutely. And, and my book will be available at this uh, event. My book isn't really, it's again, broken, returning in desperation of the cross. It's not really a, a book that is a how to recover from addiction kind of book. It is a book where I simply reflect upon my own personal testimony and my addiction journey. And then uh, the brokenness and the desperation that I spoke of earlier, where I came to that place and the importance of maintaining as Christians, a desperation for the Lord and just having the, the blessing or the benefit of having gone through those experiences and trying to share them with others and the application of brokenness to the basic tenets of our faith, prayer and Bible study and, our Christian calling to carry the gospel into the world. Now, Maddie, I know you've touched on it uh, a little uh, just in our short time talking, but uh, uh, reach out to someone, maybe someone dealing with addiction, uh, maybe someone dealing uh, with a family member that is dealing with addiction. Uh, what's one thing uh, that's an encouragement that you can give today? Well, the absolute reality uh, is that God has great plans for you. 
that's not a, a pipe dream or some imaginary thing to, to look at someone who is mired in addiction or look at a family that is distraught over the reality of addiction and how it's affecting their home uh, to say that God has great plans because he does. He's not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. And I believe above all things, that's something that we need to cleave to. I believe above all things that that is ultimately the solution as well. It's important for us to inform. It's important for us to understand. It's important for us to be equipped with the statistics. Knowledge is, is a very important thing. Uh, but I want to share with you a, a, an interesting experience that, that occurred through the process of preparing for this time with uh, North Carolina Baptist Aging Ministries. Of all the interviews that I did, uh, probably the one that was most eye-opening for me was the one that I had with my youngest son. My youngest son is 14 years old, and my youngest son was an infant when I came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I sat down with him one day, and I asked him, because I know we communicate very well and we talk a lot right now, and I know up to this point in his life, he has chosen to say no. He has chosen to make the right choices in regard to alcohol and drugs. Now, I'm fully aware that we all have the capacity of free will and that tomorrow or this afternoon he can make a different choice. But I just wanted to see what had gone on uh, in his heart and in his mind to formulate the choices that he has made up to this point. Now, when I asked him, you know, what is it that has kept you from deciding to do drugs or alcohol? I know it's readily available in the school that you're in. I know that there's all kinds of media and pressure through those avenues. I know you're aware of all of those things. And frankly, I would have thought, well, maybe it's all the education that he's getting. Maybe it's all of the information that, you know, because this is a very high topic in, in all arenas and walks of life right now, maybe it's the information and the education that he's getting. I also thought, because we've always been very transparent uh, about our journey, um, I've been very transparent about my walk with addiction and what the Lord has done in my life. I also thought perhaps it's about him hearing some of the stories about what occurred, how it affected our family, how tragic it was, how, how hurtful it was to so many people, and, and how difficult it was to overcome that through the help of God. And I thought that that might be the real catalyst for the choices that he was making. And as I asked him, he looked over at me when I asked why it was that he didn't do drugs or alcohol or hadn't made that choice, and he looked at me and he said, well, we're Christians. And, you know, for all the information that we try to seek and all the informing and all the understanding and all the statistics and all of the uh, opportunities that are out there for treatment and understanding our own selves and really good, viable paths of recovery that have been laid out by others who have gone through addiction and struggles, uh, as the body of Jesus Christ, we don't ever need to neglect the reality of the power of the gospel. Mm. We don't ever need to neglect the reality of our risen Savior and the impact that he can make in our life and in the lives of our families and the lives of our communities, our state, and our nation. Uh, I was almost surprised, and I'm ashamed to say I was surprised at, at his answer. I was surprised to hear, well, we're Christians, but that is the reality, and that is the difference that Christ can make in our lives and in the lives of our families. You know, it seems oftentimes that people want a silver bullet. I get that question all the time. What was the thing? What was that? What was that? What did somebody say? What happened? What were the five things that you did that made all the difference in the world? Uh, and at, at times, I think we almost want an answer that's a little bit more complicated than Jesus is the answer. But ultimately, he is 
the answer. And the answer is not any more complicated than that. Yes, we need to inform. Yes, we need to understand. Yes, we need to educate. Yes, we need to give practical instruction. Uh, but oftentimes, I think that what it is that we're struggling with is we want something that's more complicated, something that's not quite so simple. Now, listen, living the Christian life, as we well know, is not easy. Being a true follower of mm -hmm. Jesus Christ, not just on Sunday morning for a few minutes, but 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and being willing to admit when we step to the left and to the right, being humble before a holy God, confessing our sins, being a true follower of Jesus Christ, and living out his gospel in this world and making disciples of men, women, boys, and girls, that's not an easy thing to do. But that is the answer. That is what makes all the difference, both now and for all of eternity. You can get more about Maddie Ponce de Leon's testimony. You can find out more about Arlington First Baptist Church in Jonesville. You can actually learn more about the event through NCBAM, talking about opioid epidemic in older adults. Maddie's going to be the facilitator of that coming up on September 25th. All the details online, wgbfj.fm.